What do you think of when you hear teaching content in the target language? Are you thinking of elements like structures and vocabulary related to the language or actually teaching content outside of the language but in the target language? In this episode, John Narvarez, who is a French and Spanish teacher in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, joins me to show us how he focuses on teaching content in the target language while also building students' communication skills and language proficiency. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and thank you for being here. You're an incredible educator because you're doing what? You're listening to a podcast about language teaching. So thank you very much for doing that. Take a second. I haven't asked you this in a while, but if you haven't subscribed or followed the show on the app you're listening on, if you could just quickly do that, make sure you get every episode on Monday when they come out. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about teaching content in the target language. And this isn't an idea of teaching about the language, like verb conjugations content, but actually teaching other than the language content in the classroom and leveraging the target language to do that. So joining me to have this conversation today is John Navarez, and he is at the St. George's School of Montreal. And he is originally from Colombia, but he's been in Montreal for about a decade now and teaching at the St. George's School of Montreal. And he has been a Spanish, French, and English teacher in both Colombia and in Canada. But he recently took on the role of being the head of teaching and learning in his school. So he's really going to be opening up this whole idea of learning and supporting educators. So he's an ideal person to help us take on this conversation about teaching content in the target language. So John Narvaez, welcome to the World Language Classroom podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to be sharing some of my experiences with you today. I was really happy when you reached out to me a couple of months back and said, I'm doing some really cool stuff in my classroom. And I love when teachers are proud of what they're doing. And I said, yes, John, let's talk about it. I love to talk to teachers who are proud of what they're doing in their classroom. So this is this topic about teaching content in the target language. So can you start by telling us how you approach teaching content in the target language? Yeah, well, specifically in my experience, uh, I teach French uh, to beginner level students, grade seven and grade eight. And uh, the way I do it is through a lens in geography and history. Also in my Spanish courses in grade six, eight, and nine at my school, I try to also include some of that content and learning approach by providing themes that lend themselves to learn key features of the language, like stereotypes, education in Latin American countries, and things like that. Most of the work that in terms of the content itself, I've been developing through my French classes. 
So when you say the themes that are the key features of the language, are you speaking about actual language structures and vocabulary or more of the cultural piece there? Or maybe both? Uh, both, yeah. And uh, it's also uh, when, it, when it comes to vocabulary and uh, grammar in particular, yes, as well. So you're finding ways to have these themes and to approach those themes, there's particular grammar and vocabulary that is acquired through the studying of that. Exactly. My inspiration for everything that I've been doing comes from my experience taking a course as part of my master's degree at McGill University here in Montreal, where I had the honor of being a student in Dr. Roy Lister's class, who's a well-known name in, in this field. And he really showed us during this course that research has found and shown that content and language integration provide a rich context for negotiation of meaning, which in turn consolidates learning, making it more memorable and transferable to other domains and subjects. And uh, we can see language teaching in a continuum running from the foreign language teaching that we're all used to, the traditional language course, in one uh, end of the continuum to the um, context where, like in immersion programs, curricular content like math and science are taught through a second language. So most of the research that has been done to support this content and language integration is based on immersion and content-focused settings, which have proven to be super effective, but they're not widely accessible to most students. Foreign language teaching continues to be the most traditional way that learners engage with second language learning worldwide. But this, and despite those, the pedagogical challenges that an exclusive focus on language imposes, foreign language teaching is a fertile field for experimenting and implementing the power of content and language integration. Some of the philosophical, I guess, um, foundation of uh, where everything started from my own experience. Mm-hmm. What I have witnessed as I've embraced this shift is that not only have I revamped my teaching slowly over the course of the last four to five years, I've also kind of empowered my students intellectually by bringing up new ways to perceive their own learning, the world around them Mm -hmm. through the target language. In some ways, I've also kind of repositioned the teaching of of foreign languages in my school as something that goes beyond, you know, the traditional drills and worksheets and role plays. So it was uh, interesting, as you said at the beginning, that these transferable skills that they're learning, you know, it doesn't just stay in the language classroom. And I often talk with departments that are looking for funding, like through their school boards and different things and leveraging that very point, because you can only go so far, unfortunately, with funding needs when you talk about learning language and culture and globalism. But if you can also add on that part that they are learning skills here that they can use in their social studies, in their science class. So that was great that you put that in. I would like you to talk a little more about some of the, the topics you just talked about in that response, where you had mentioned that it was based on an immersion setting. So how have you taken these ideas and brought them to a class that isn't necessarily focused on immersion, but more of a traditional timing where they're learning a second language and doing content there? So how how have you brought those two together? I have embraced uh, a theory that was actually developed by Dr. Lister, who um, used to be my professor at McGill. Uh, it's called the Counterbalanced Instruction Framework for Language and Teaching Integration. 
Most of Dr. Lister's research is based on immersion settings, but I've used the rationale behind that theory and adapt its main features to my own practice. In this theory, uh, content-heavy instruction, for example, in immersion settings, shifts focus sometimes during the lesson to raise awareness of key language features. But in my case, for example, my language focus instruction shifts to engage learners in deep and meaningful inquiry and exploration of content at the start of the lesson. So it follows a very interesting cyclical structure where in my lessons, for example, I start with a contextualization phase in which we focus on the content. For example, in my grade eight class, I'll be teaching la colonisation de la Nouvelle France, talking about how the settlers from France came, came here to Quebec and how Quebec started to exist as a province, or Canada in that particular case, historically. I will show them a video. We will talk about what we saw in the video, some of the historical facts in the video. And then the lesson would move to an awareness phase in which I would take parts of the video, for example. I would have a slide with texts that comes from the video, and I will highlight the specific language feature that I would like to focus on. Uh, in this particular unit, uh, we talk about passé composé, the past tense in, in French. And I do a, a very quick review on the notion of gender, feminine, mascul le masculin, le féminin. And then I bring students' attention to, to those features using the context of our theme uh, of, for the unit. Then we engage into a practice phase in which we do practice the language features through conversations, through some drill, interesting and meaningful drilling activities, some games. It, it varies. It depends. And that's my main language focus for the lesson right there in the middle. And once we consolidate those, then we move on to an autonomous phase in which we go back and refocus again on the content. And we keep inquiring, we keep asking questions to ask for opinion and what they think. And but while also applying and transferring the newly forms that were practiced during the awareness and practice phase. And all of that is going back to how you started with that contextualization. So this is La Nouvelle France that you gave the example for. So as you go through the awareness and the practice and the autonomous phase, it's all going back to that same topic. I want to make sure yeah, I follow exactly. that correctly. That's, that's it. And then how do you then assess it? The, the way I have built it, I follow the understanding by design uh, or the backward design framework to plan and design my curriculum. The students know that there are some essential questions and understandings that drive what we do in, in the class. At the beginning of every term, I share my can-do statements for the unit so they can clearly see how everything that we do is connected to those can-do statements it's connected to those uh, essential questions and enduring understandings. So there's like there's a very coherent work that they experience through each one of the lessons. They also know because I kind of give them a preview of what the final assessment will be. It's part of the philosophy of backward design to, you know, after you decide on those learning goals, then establish the criteria and the assessment of how the students are going to show that they have learned what you have planned. By being very open and transparent about that, by sharing those can-do statements, by modeling the rubric, for example, and by showing them samples and models of what each one of the criteria uh, levels looks like in actual performance with 
samples from previous years or even by me providing some impromptu examples of what it sounds like, for example, when it comes to the interactive part or the speaking part of the assessment, they have a clear vision of where we're headed. Uh, it provides a coherent framework of assessment for them. And uh, in particular, something that I have learned through this process of rethinking and reshaping my teaching, I have stopped using exams or you know big tests uh, as assessments. The students know that the usual quiz, it's just a way for me to collect information to see how we're going. It helps me to meet with them one-on-one. There's a special time devoted for that at our school where we can meet students and they can book appointments with us to come and talk about their progress or reinforce key notions. So I use a lot of formative assessment throughout the process to inform my teaching as well, to adapt, to modify the way that I'm doing things in the classroom. But ultimately, they know that there's a big project at the end, a complex task that will bring all the elements together. And I do use the structure of the IPA, the Integrated Performance Assessment, Mm -hmm. something that I learned about a few years back when I went to my first ACTFL conference. And uh, it's something that has also really reshaped the way I I assess my students. So I often refer to language teachers or teachers in general as curators, such as in a museum, where a curator in a museum is not actually creating the art, but they're taking pieces of art and putting it together in a particular way that provides an experience for the viewer. And so I look at teachers as being these curators for their classroom where they're taking all these ideas and they're bringing them together and making it work. And as you were talking through that, you started with this idea of the counterbalance. And then as you went through the contextualization and awareness and practice and the autonomous phase, it was very reminiscent of the PACE model, which is often looked at, right? So I was seeing that, okay. And then bringing that into the way you're doing assessments and then using formative assessments along the way through those quizzes to inform how to keep going and then going to the IPA at the end, which is bringing it all together. And I was thinking the entire time you were talking about he is such a great curator (laughs) of all of this together and making it really cohesive. We often talk about these techniques and methods and activities to do in our classroom. And they're often isolated when we talk about them. But hearing you talk through that unit, where I could see where all of those different parts were coming in there, where you've created the system that works for students. But I do have a follow-up question to that. I would like to know a little bit more about how you design these activities or projects you mentioned at the end that encourage students to engage with the subject matter in the target language. How are you going about creating those for students? In in the counterbalance instruction model that I follow or that I have adapted to my teaching, there are some key elements to consider. For example, When it comes to learning targets or objectives, I try to make language and content objectives equal and to have complementary status as well. I do work a lot on making sure that 
the instructional input or comprehensible input uh, is intentional and very well orchestrated. It's intentional. I also make sure that the language features lend themselves easily to facilitate the comprehension and the inquiry that we're going to be developing. So for example, in my unit, there's a grade nine unit that I do on uh, common stereotypes around the Hispanic community. So I would teach indefinite adjectives like alguno, ninguno, uh, I, and I call them palabras para generalizar, words to generalize, because mm-hmm. we use those a lot. Uh, I do a unit on the Roman Empire. So for that specific unit, I do focus on le passé récent uh, and certain forms of the passé composé uh, that follow the verb être instead of the verb uh, avoir. And I think I mentioned it before, but I also follow the model of the cyclical lesson structure that I just mentioned by also giving the students ample opportunities to produce, interact, negotiate meaning, playing with the words, uh, with the vocabulary, while also offering support and scaffolding along the way. When it comes to content, for example, we can easily fall in the trap of just asking questions that are too factual. I do a unit on Europe and uh, in my grade seven class, and we touch on Greta Thunberg as a big personality from Europe and the environment. So instead of asking, Qui est Greta Thunberg? Who's Greta Thunberg? I would ask questions like, like Greta, what is something that you could do to help the environment? What are certain actions that you can do, like Greta at 15, to help our planet, you know, to save our planet? So I really appreciate that idea of the language and content having complementary yes. status. It's something I'm going to keep in mind. I just like the the wording of that. I'm just curious if you have leveraged technology in any way to to help you. I know teachers are trying to use more technology. So I was just wondering how you integrate that. My classroom is a hub of collaboration and teamwork. At our school, we have the Google Suites. So we do take advantage of the collaborative features in Google Docs and Slides and Sheets. I'm also very lucky to have a tactile screen in my classroom that allows me to manipulate text, comment, add audio, alter, scaffold using tools like highlighting and etc. I use Jamboard, for example, a lot when doing group work. So I would give each each group, for example, a slide to work on. And I do prompt my students to go back to the other slides and check on what other people are doing so that they can also get feedback to each other or also be inspired by other people and what they're doing and to enrich their work. I use great sites like Edpuzzle uh, for self-paced listening and viewing. Flip or Flipgrid, I think it's called Flip now these days, for video sharing and collaboration. A nice twist that I do to the Flip uh, site is that I usually ask my students to provide feedback to their peers' presentations through an embedded feature that they have. For my geography classes, I use a lot of GeoGuessr. It's a really cool website that allows you to explore places around the world. And you have to guess where you are on the map uh, just by looking at the hints and clues hidden in the, in the maps or in the pictures, the photographs or the video sometimes. Last year, for example, I, I started experimenting a little bit with AI. Specifically, I explored the capacity of AI to generate differentiated tasks and reading materials. And I have to say that it really, really helped me a lot. It really helped me save a lot of time, uh, especially during my last unit. By giving AI an intentional prompt about what I wanted, it was able to create for me really great texts 
with differentiated levels that I could use in my class. And it really, really saved me a lot of time. I've definitely been leveraging AI for that as well. And I, I appreciate the ability to say, okay, now make this novice yeah. high, now make this intermediate mid, and it's able to, to do that and understand it. Well, those are some great recommendations for teachers in terms of using technology. But do you have any other places where teachers could be reaching out, whether that's different conferences or books that you've read where they could learn more? Yeah, I would definitely recommend checking out Dr. Roy Lister's work on counterbalance instruction. He also has an extensive body of research that he's done over the years on corrective feedback. It's also one of the areas of his expertise. I do follow Martina Becks, for example, in the Comprehensible Classroom. I try to go to Actful every year just to keep me updated and to fill myself with ideas and new ways of doing things in my classroom. If there are listeners who would like to reach out to you to learn more about what you're doing, to bounce some ideas off of you, how can listeners be connecting? Email is always best and fast. I am in the process of working to showcase more of these things on social media, but you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter. It's uh, at John Arvaez 11 It's the same for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my email is uh, john.narvaez at stgeorges.qc.ca. And I'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes so that listeners can reach out to you directly. As we finish up this conversation, I always like to leave our listeners with some hearty advice. So what advice can you leave us with about teaching content in the target language? It's a very daunting project to embark on. I would say that uh, you need to take small steps, start perhaps with a lesson uh, or a part of a lesson, then a few lessons, and then perhaps uh, a unit, because that's how I started. Once you start reading and applying and experimenting, you're going to see the benefits and the impact on the kids. You will find the motivation to build a program that integrates more content. When I started, and I started sharing this with some colleagues here in, in Quebec, they would tell me like, oh, that's too hard. How are you going to manage to do all that? It's just language class. Like, you should be focusing on your vocabulary, your grammar, your present tense. I personally believe that we, we do a disservice to the kids in, in, in the sense that there are so many ways that their experience can be enriched through accessing content meaningfully in, in the language classroom. So we do need to stop believing more in the potential that kids have to bring even more richness to what happens in the language classroom uh, by providing the support, by being intentional and great designers of learning experiences. I think we can promote cognitive engagement and language proficiency at levels that uh, will amaze you. Well, thank you very much for all of your insights, John Narvarez, today talking about teaching content in the language classroom and leaving us with that idea of the potential of what we can do with students and to not limit ourselves. And I know that I will be sitting with this idea of looking at language and content and making sure that they have complementary status in our classroom rather than saying that one is more important or more useful, that they actually complement yes. each other. So thank you so much for bringing that idea together. And thank you for the opportunity to share with your audience. It's been a pleasure. 
What are your takeaways from that conversation with John Nevarez? I'm certainly going to take to heart that concept of making sure that the language and the content in my classroom complement each other. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with John. You'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. And there are also links to get in touch with me if you would like to work together either in person in your school or remotely. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the World Language Classroom podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Connect with me on X, aka Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at WL Classroom. And for even more valuable resources, visit my website, wlclassroom.com, where you'll find over 300 blog posts about language teaching. So stay inspired, keep growing, and continue making a difference in your language classroom. 